You're listening to the Build Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. Sports do not stop in the summer, and neither does Midco Sports. Stay tuned all summer long for coverage of the region's best dirt track racing on Midco Motorsports, great sports conversation on your local teams on bench warmers, plus live soccer, rodeo, racing, and more from June through August. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to the season finale of the Build Shaves podcast, taping this on the final day of May, the 31st of May in the year of our Lord, 2023. As always, Build Shaves, Alex Hunter with you, plus a myriad of special guests along the way that we're excited to introduce you to shortly. First, Bill, how are you on this Wednesday morning? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks. Uh, look forward to this one. Really look forward to our a couple special guests, which should be a lot of fun. I think so. Yeah, we had teased this in an earlier episode that the season finale was going to be, I mean, fireworks and things you were going to want to make sure you come back to. And I feel like this will deliver on that promise because joining us right now to kick things off, NCHC Commissioner Heather Weems is a part of the show today. Heather, how are you? Thanks for having me. I don't know if I've been introduced as a firework before, so I will take it. Yes, a lot of firsts on this pod, Heather. A lot of firsts. You know, it's a friendly crowd, so we're good. But uh, we'd love to just, uh, you know, pick your brain on a couple different things. So we kind of call this segment three questions with fill in the blank. Yes. And today it's you. Perfect. So, uh, but we do the, the rules of engagement. Sometimes we do go for a follow up. So it could be more than three questions. Those, so those are the All rules right. on the outset. Yep. Always good. We started the the call with, you know, you got to be flexible and adaptable. Let's go. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. Well, let me start with this first year as commissioner, of course. So yeah. let's, let's give you the, uh, the layup question going from an athletic director to commissioner. Obviously you've been in the league for a lot, long time, but uh, just give us a feel for what transpired in year one. You know, I think, um, the, the biggest thing that I would compare it to, and I've used this analogy in a couple of different different instances, but I spent 23 years on a college campus. I, Bill, you know that that world. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, um, there's an app for that. You know, like if you have a business question, there's a business office. If you have an HR question, there's an HR office. If you need, you know, any number of things, you have a facilities department, you have somebody who does everything to some degree at your disposal, not always, you're not always the priority, but you know, at your disposal, this is much more like running a small business um, in that uh, everybody wears a few more hats and gets a little bit deeper um, in each of those um, areas. But, you know, when, when we have a finance, um, you know, question, uh, well, first I could call Josh Fenton, obviously, because, you know, he knows some of it, but, <laughs> you know, there's also, we have an accountant, but the third party, um, you know, we have an operations manager who works part-time, but it's just different. It, it's it's having, you know, trying to grasp the whole picture um, and understand and then get a, a feel um, for each of the institutions. And so, you know, obviously when you're on campus, um, you know, when I'm on calls, when I was on call as the athletics director at St. Cloud State, mostly you know, we ask everyone to to put on their kind of broad hat, but ultimately, you know, it's it's also um, biased by our own experiences on our own campuses. In this world, what I'm trying to understand is what are the challenges and opportunities at each of the campuses? What are each of the personalities of the coaches and the athletics directors? What are, are their main um, uh, goals, you know, and, and how do we pull all of that together? So in a lot of ways, and I will say this, I think athletics has a cycle. Um, that first year is really important, probably in many cases to, to listen more than you talk. 
and to just understand a little bit more about how it all works. So actually, I'm really excited about the second year because I think I figured out a few of the things that I, I could have done a little bit better in the first year. Yeah, we end up talking. Uh, in fact, uh, we had uh, our our Midco partners and our iHeart partners this past year. Um, we we re-upped with them last year. We called it year zero. And it's almost like you're in year zero. I mean, because you don't know what you don't know to right. some degree. Now, NCHC meetings, we just were we just got back from Florida. Um, how did you just give us a ballpark of how you think those went for you? I really enjoyed them. I thought we had some robust conversations. Um, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of ambiguity in the world of, of Division One athletics right now. And, uh, you know, I think um, trying to pull together and get all of, of uh, the institutions thinking about what's going on and how does it impact them. And and particularly given, you know, we have full-on Division One members, we have Division Two members, and we have Division Three members. Um, and each of them has a little different uh, institutional goals, but also just understanding of what's going on to some degree. I mean, and I think, Bill, you heard this in a lot of cases, you know, we are relying upon um, our Division One institutions, whether that be the Summit members or the MAC members. And even those two conversations can be different, you know, like what Miami and Western um, from being part of, of their group and um, FBS versus FCS the conversations that they're listening to are, are, you know, sometimes different. And so I just thought it was robust conversation. I, I thought we, you know, really thought a little bit about what does um, we'll call it uh, NCHC 2.0, the second decade of NCHC, what does it look like? And, and I think, you know, obviously the success of the first year and, and or of the first 10 years and, and being able to celebrate that was, was fantastic. And it was fun this year. And I think the, the documentary um, that Sam put together with Michael's help and, and Jason Carter was phenomenal, um, you know, from, from an archival perspective, but uh, I think what, what probably we talked the most about in, in Naples certainly is that we can't rest on our laurels. That's not going to hold us, um, you know, in, in a primary position going forward just because we've done it before. So I, I was happy. I was pleased that, you know, we had good, robust conversation um, and there's some direction coming out of it, um, you know, just about, about how we look at uh, and, and explore, you know, some different opportunities. Just a quick follow-up to that. And we, we could have a lot of follow-ups because there's so much there to unpack, but you mentioned just the diversity of the eight member institutions that are under the NCHC umbrella. Is there one specific guiding principle or a set of principles, Heather, that you follow to try and pull everyone back to when you have these conversations, big picture, to keep everyone on the same page? The single thing that I think has driven this league from the very beginning is that uh, they're like-minded institutions from the fact that the national success of hockey is very important. Um, so even though the institutions may look different, um, even though their their sports athletics programs may compete in different divisions, I think what everybody at the table has said is that hockey is a major driver on their institution uh, and their investment, not just financial, but human, you know, fan engagement, that sort of thing has to, to come back to that. I think that that is, is a differentiating, a very important differentiating factor for our league. So you, uh, so you touched Heather a little bit on the NCAA landscape at this point in time, just I, from your crystal ball, 
what what are you what are you thinking right now? I mean, uh, we we tend to just throw that out there to folks, right? And and, and sometimes it feels like you're just throwing darts at, at some stage. But what are you thinking right now? Oh well, let's talk. Uh, I'm gonna philosophize a little bit. I mean, that's it's hard. I mean, you know, I look at from a very pragmatic perspective. One of the challenges in the NCAA landscape right now is that both the floor and the ceiling are increasing. So the day-to-day operational um, cost and and requirements, just the day-to-day, what we've always done is going up. But on top of that, what's expected of us is going up. And I, I mean, the scary part to me a little bit um, is simply that I think, you know, the tie with higher education and college athletics is so much about being accessible and and the Cinderella stories. And the Cinderella stories, you know, I, I think are going to get harder. Um, but I still think that that's what collegiate fans want. You know, like look at look at hockey particularly and the number of different teams from different backgrounds who have won the national championship in the last decade. Like every single year, you you know, I, I know there was a ton of talk this year because you had three Big Ten schools, you know, who advanced. They weren't the ones who won. So, it, you know, there isn't a single formula, um, but I think that it's it certainly drives the question. You know, as I look at it um, and, and, you know, that crystal ball formula, I think we all have to learn, particularly as as NIL increases and, and just the focus on student athlete experience um, and, and that sort of thing. I think we have to become more efficient in some of the things where we have the bells and whistles that we've created, you know, that have been shiny and caught fan fan attention. It's going to be hard to continue to keep those up while at the same time being able to fund the new um, requirements and expectations of the student athlete experience. And so um I think we're going to have to become, like I said, more efficient in how we deliver our services, um, which I think begs the question a little bit, you know, what does single sport versus multi-sport conference look like? You know, is that a part of it? Is there efficiency in, you know, being part of a larger whole? Um, Certainly that's a question, but then I just talked about the differentiating factor for the NCHC, which is like-minded institutions and that's part, you know, a huge part of our success is, is that we have been very committed to um, making sure to raise the profile of each of our institutions through hockey. And, and sometimes, you know, in, in, in the conglomerate, you can mm-hmm. lose that. You, you could. And I, you know, it's funny being part of the three conferences that we are, that there could be an opportunity that it's an and, and it's not an or, right? It could Absolutely. be. It Absolutely. could be. Absolutely. But, you know, I think that um, that crystal ball, I mean, we're continuing to see conference realignment changes. Um, I mean, I think the latest Colorado now is in conversation with the Big 12. You know, all of that is people try and figure out how they live and learn. But I'll also just say, I I think for institutions like ours, um, the continued commitment of our fans um, as engaged in their as alumni and as fans is going to be critically important um, because unlike uh, the SEC or the Big Ten or some of those institutions who have the you know hundred million annual multimedia budgets, um, those are real. 
and and at a time when higher education in and of itself is changing and funding sources within higher education are becoming taxed in so many different ways um you know the the relationships and the experience and the the touchable um world that we provide in in our college towns are really, really important, which again goes back to the importance of hockey in our communities. I mean, that's the fun part of NCHC hockey is that, you know, um, our communities and our alumni and campuses thrive on being able to follow these programs. Um, and, and that's really cool. And it's a cool experience for our student athletes. So Bill, I don't think I answered the crystal ball. I mean, I think that um, <laughs> what we have to be able to do is adapt and change and make hard decisions, you know, as we see, um, things changing, but in the best interest of maintaining the strength of our programs. Yeah, I, I would say that we just need to continue to challenge whatever our status quo is, at, you know, at that point. And, you know, whatever whatever happens, happens because, you know, yesterday was great, but we've got to have an eye on today and tomorrow. Yeah. Divination is always a difficult subject anyway. Everybody knows that. So don't worry about it, Heather, for not giving us a, a specific roadmap to, to the future. Um, last, last one here, last topic. This is unique because obviously the NCHC is a male hockey conference, but this is the 50th year of Title IX. We just wrapped up the celebration uh, of that movement in this country and, that, and how that has affected the nation in so many different ways and affected you, I'm sure. Just your thoughts on what that has meant and how perhaps the NCHC can help play a part in continuing that forward, even if this is not a women's sport conference. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Um, you know, obviously being a female in this room um, with a majority of, of men um, it is actually emblematic of most of my career. I mean, it, it's not new probably to a lot of us, although we're, we're, we're certainly seeing advancement. Um, I do think that, you know, all of us, you know, I think I bring a little bit different perspective, which I go back to the diversity of thought. And that's why we have in all of our departments, we have people who come from different backgrounds, whether that be cultures, whether that be race, religion, whatever it is, um, because it just makes it more robust. And so, you know, um, what I appreciate is is simply the opportunity. And, and I'll be simplistic like that. You know, I was part of um, in, in college, I went to the University of Iowa. I got my start as part of the rowing program there, which was a brand new club program that elevated to varsity. And, um, you know, I think what we're seeing and we're, we saw it this year with well, we're, we're seeing it with television, even, you know, um, with women's basketball. I, I actually think the women's basketball tournament outshone the men's this year in NCAA competition. Now, I'm an Iowa grad. I'm a little biased, yeah. you know, the, the, the Caitlin Clark story was a good story. But I think that what we're seeing is when given the opportunity, um, there are we deserve to be at the table and we have things to offer at the table. And we're seeing more and more, whether it be corporations, whether it be media outlets begin to see and, and tell that story. Um, and I think we all benefit from that when we see the diversity of what's possible um, and, and there's something for everybody. I think we all benefit from that. And so, you know, I'm in the second year, I told you I'm excited about it. There's a couple of things and, and partly I'm also come from a student athlete support services background. Um, there's a couple of things with the student athletes I'd like to do a little bit differently this year and be more engaged with them. Um, that was harder in my first year to know, you know, I, I'm as an AD, you come in and you kind of know what your position is. You know what your presence is, you know where what meetings you'll be at and you'll know 
know, you know, that, that you'll be at games and your student athletes will not, not for ego purposes, but know who you are. And then when you come into a commissioner role and I am in many ways, you know, inconsequential to the day-to-day um, world of the athletes. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to think about how I infuse myself a little bit more in some of the leadership and, and maybe some captain's work um, just as, as an additional resource and, and partly to fill my own cup. Do you know, like I like to, to stay connected to the purpose and the purpose, you know, I'm a huge believer that the experience we provide our athletes um, across sports, and and this is also going back to your question about women, what do I believe? Um, I believe that collegiate athletics is is irreplicable in terms of um, the leadership and the practical life skills that it provides. Um, you know, everything from connections to teamwork to critical feedback and learning how to work through those sorts of things. That's where when I learned how to be at the table as an athlete. I learned that I could have a voice. I learned the confidence to to stand and say things that were unpopular being an athlete. And, you know, that's the part that I want to continue to connect is that college athletics belong on university campuses. And, and certainly there's a place and we have to redefine it from NIL and from a money purpose. But we also have to remember where where our foundation lies and, and ultimately, the experience is about preparing these young people for life after athletics. And so in my role, how do I do that? How do I do that and bring a different lens as a female, um, but also show that it can be done? Uh, and, and so I look forward. I, I look forward to being able to redefine a little bit this year how I engage and interface with the student athletes, with the coaches, um, because I think I have a better understanding of it now than probably I did a year ago, you know, as I came into it. So, um, you know, I appreciate the question. Uh, I just uh, access, you know, and and being at St. Cloud State, which was an access institution, there is a ton of, of um, I'll call it obligation in some ways. We, we owe to students the opportunity to have access to experiences. And ultimately, whether it's athletics, whether it's getting women more involved, whether it's looking at how we do uh, inclusion with with diverse populations. And in the sport of hockey, how do we get young people from diverse backgrounds um, into a sport that is is known for affluence and and probably for for difficulty in access? You know, that's where we can make a difference. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you, that's probably one of the single most important laws that was passed uh, in in this uh, country. And certainly um, we're better every day when we're more diverse in our departments. So uh, appreciate you joining us, Heather. That was it. Like, that's the pod. I mean, that that, three (laughs) questions. I mean, it's simple. You know, we try to just, you know, get folks uh, really want to get their ideas and thoughts out there and really do appreciate you joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you, Heather. Excited for your number two. Yep, absolutely. Take care. Great stuff from Heather Weems. I I love just her thoughtfulness as she she parses through all these different things. I mean, obviously, as a commissioner, you've got a lot on your plate and there's a lot going on, especially in a first year role. And I thought she handled it with grace. And now you get to really make the role your own now moving into your number two and beyond. I would agree with that, Alex. I think um, I think year two gives you a shot. Um, it, you literally, I, I metaphorically, you got to go around the track once it, you just do. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, um, even though she was for the most part, right at the Genesis of the NCHC, mm-hmm. uh, at, at St. Cloud, um, it, it's just a different role. And, you know, you're just trying to figure out all the different um, constituencies that you're dealing with literally on a daily and weekly and monthly basis. And I think 
only one way can you figure that out is through actually experiencing it. And so she has, and I think now, you know, as she hits into year two, you know, I, I think you're going to see her, you know, put an imprint on, on the league itself. It, she's certainly joining at a unique time. Um, where there's a lot of conversation about, and she, you, you touched on it, of course, single sport conferences versus multi-sport conferences and what the NCAA model is going to be. How does NIL factor into all this? All, all the things, conference realignment, et cetera. There's a lot on her plate and then the plate of the other five commissioners of, of the college hockey leagues that we've got at the D1 men's level. Uh, but I think the right person is steering the ship. So excited to see what comes in year number two and beyond. Yeah. And, you know, we have to work together for the benefit of the league for sure, right? I mean, all of us work for our own institutions and the benefit of our programs being as strong as they can be. But then the league being strong is critically important. And then this, uh, you know, the state of hockey uh, in general, you know, I mean, uh, across the landscape needs to be at a certain level too. And she mentioned women's basketball, you know, having a great run this past year. Well, I, I still think there's potential conversation out there about, you know, what are we doing with our uh, hockey broadcasts on a national basis? I, you know, I, I think there's, there's things that we probably uh, are in the offing for us to have conversations about not just uh, wash, rinse, repeat. I'll be a good lawyer. I'll defend um, our friends at ESPN, and then I'll maybe kind of go after him a little bit too, is the defense is, I think everyone's looking for that promotional support along mm-hmm. with the games themselves. And so, but they can only do so much. And so they make choices. And I think those choices, I, I'm more concerned, I'll call about the shouldering uh, programming and even the intermission type stuff. When we're not necessarily talking about the game, we're talking about the NHL that's going on that night. And so those are the things that I guess I would be frustrated at as far as selling this awesome product. And so, but you know, so it kind of takes a couple different things. Now, having said that, if it does sit on a linear uh you know, station there, whether it be the mothership or flagship or, or two, I think you have a better chance, but that goes in the back to Alex. What are we doing with regionals? We can't be in buildings that are not electric and that's a problem too. And so that's an issue that we need to continually have that conversation about because to go to a place that's literally, you know, it, it's just, you can, you can hear everything is not awesome. And that's not what just happened the week before and throughout the season. Yeah. It's almost like the product itself, the display or the showcase of the product itself needs to catch up to the product. Yes. The product is fantastic. Yes. I mean, college hockey is outstanding. And the fact that we're still not allowing it to succeed and be what it is throughout the season and the biggest games of the year is I'm still, with you. it just doesn't make sense. But so we have, I think we have, we have Tyler. We, yeah, have, we, have we, we got guests. We, got, we, we can pontificate. We're, we got, uh, we're, we're, we're not going to figure this thing out. <laughs> not today, not on the season finale, at least, but some good ideas to bring through. So let's welcome in our second special guest of this episode, the Associate AD for Student Athlete Development at the University of North Dakota, a repeat guest several times over to the Bill Chaves podcast, Mr. Tyler Burmeister. Tyler, great to see you. Hey, Alex, how we doing? Tyler, I, I really do appreciate you joining us. Uh, yeah, tell us what you're kind of up to right now, but then the real reason why you're on is to brag on our awesome student athletes. But yeah, give us a little bit of a, a update. I know you mentioned to me yesterday some of the things that you're, you're working on, but I, I think our listeners would be interested. 
Yeah, it's a quieter time right now, obviously, with graduation just happening. But this is a really important time for uh, the student athlete development side to really reevaluate, you know, how our programming went from the previous academic year and how we can continue to adapt that for the upcoming years. So we're doing a lot of uh, debriefs right now just to see how, what we can do better in specific programs. And as of right now, we're rebuilding our Academy Student Athlete Leadership Academy workbook. So that's going to be a really exciting new thing for our student athletes moving forward. Um, we're going to have our freshman university 101 section popping up here very quickly at the end of June. So our incoming freshmen that are in their summer section will be um, getting acclimated to campus and learning all the different lessons that our university 101 offers. And then I'm also heading off to a uh, conference in South Bend, Indiana at the University of Notre Dame to uh, at the National Letter Winners Association to continue to have conversations about how we can um, get our alumni engaged through our NODAC.net platform and just overall different programs that they would like to lend their assistance to. So it's busy summer, but it's also a quieter summer, um, which is great. It's time to recharge the batteries a little bit because before we know it, the fall semester will sneak up on us and we'll be ready to re get going again with all of our programs. That time to lay the foundation, though, is, is so important. I think that's, that's why you build that into the academic calendar to sort of reset and recalibrate and look back at what worked well and what needs fine-tuning. And obviously, a lot of things are working very well. As Bill mentions, the student-athletes at the University of North Dakota finished tops in the nation for the second straight year for community service among D1 programs. Like, that's incredible to see the efforts that these kids have put forth. And so much of that comes from, obviously, the, the coaches in those departments encouraging this, the fellow student-athletes being a part of this, and obviously what, what you and your team have done as well, Tyler. So congratulations, first of all. What does that say about these kids and, and their efforts to be able to do this again, to stockpile those numbers year after year? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tremendous recognition for the student-athletes because they're the ones, obviously, doing the work. And really, I'm myself and our coaches are kind of the middle people on creating those relationships or building those bridges with the community. But it all comes down to the student athletes actually going out into the community. And I always say like our, our big focus with the service projects is really finding good quality partners in our community. And the, the quantity comes from the quality. So we really try to emphasize finding who our student athletes really want to work with and what specific causes they're passionate about. So if we can locate those early on and create really solid quality partners, the quantity really kind of just takes itself right after that. So we have some really um, what I kind of call our champion causes, and we see a lot of our hours come from those. But we really allow our student athlete leadership groups also the opportunity to kind of dictate where and the directions that we're going with our service projects. So uh, really proud of the efforts of them and specifically their advocacy for these specific causes and, and organizations that they want to work with. Because again, that just adds and allows them to have a better student athlete experience. It allows them to really find Grand Forks as their second home. Um, Cause I feel there's so many life skills and obviously Heather talked about that with you all from the life skills side of things, the more and more they get involved and acclimated in these service projects and get acclimated in our, in our community, I think the better off they become. And the, obviously the, it, it just pays dividends down the road for opportunities um, life after sports. So it's, it's amazing to have these recognitions. Um, obviously we don't do it for the recognition side of it, that that just kind of happens, but um I got a tremendous kudos to all of our student athletes and having that recognition two years in a row is uh, quite amazing. You mentioned some of those champion causes, by the way. Just tell our listeners, what are some of the big ones that the university has focused on in recent years? Yeah, so I mean, we're very fortunate. So Special Olympics of North Dakota has their headquarters right here in Grand Forks. So we're very 
lucky to have a lot of different opportunities with the local chapter of Special Olympics and working with the Special Olympics College here on campus. So there's a lot of different opportunities that we get throughout the entire academic year. So whether it's uh, helping out with some practices or going to some of their championships, um, just some overall socialization opportunities, the spread the word inclusion event that happens in the spring semester. There's a lot of different opportunities with that. Uh, the Grand Forks School District and East Grand Forks School District. So we've had a really strong partnership with the Grand Forks Mentor Center, which is overseen by the Grand Forks Public Schools District. So our student athletes are there four days a week uh, mentoring students on different academic and social needs. So it's a really fun collaboration and partnership where our student athletes get to serve as those mentors for kids in the middle school and high school age groups. And then um, some other ones that are just popping up also that are continuously so like the french fry feed we always do that it's a community event um so that's we can always count on that one our halloween bash is always one that we always count on and that's obviously a student athlete driven one our pen pal program uh got kind of reinvigorated a little bit this year covid really kind of took a took some of the air out of the balloon for that one, but we're really focusing on how can we create those positive relationships with the youth in our in our community. So we, our pen pal program saw eight different classrooms this year, which was very exciting to have um, eight on board. And then we've had some other fun re relationships that we're kind of kickstarting up again. So we, uh, we're hopeful that we'll have a Habitat for Humanity home here coming up here for this upcoming academic year. And then also we worked with uh, Stable Days Youth Ranch out in East Grand Forks, which is uh, a, an actual running ranch that uh, brings youth in to you know learn some different trade and opportunities there. So a fun, a fun collaboration that we kind of started last year, but now hoping to kick it up to the next level. Anytime we're talking about our student athletes, we could probably go the whole entire pod. But I, I will say this. Can I can I I'm going to leave it with this one if you could talk about um this piece of the puzzle there has been discussion certainly on the ncaa side of life tyler about the voice of the student athlete and i think you've been uh tremendously uh active for us from a leadership standpoint on our staff to make sure that we have you know the right voices for our student athletes in, in various things and uh just talk about that for a little bit i i think we've done pretty well in that vein and I would say anytime we do have, I'll say, a, a larger decision to make, we we always check in with our students to make sure that uh, um, we're not missing something. Yeah, I, the advocacy and transparency piece, I think, is very important for the student athlete experience. Obviously, they want to have a voice in what their experience is going to look like. And I still think from our institution standpoint, um, we do an incredible job of allowing our student athletes to voice their opinions when it comes to policy, when it comes to some of the bigger decisions on campus or within our department. So it's really a, a, it's a fun thing to know that our student athletes have that voice and are utilizing that voice. And um, we're fortunate to have three student organizations right now that really are kind of our champions for lending those voices. So our student athlete advisory committee, which is really uh, all of our teams have those two representatives that are kind of the voice and the the bridge for their programs. So if there's anything that needs to be brought up from an individual team standpoint or just overall policy standpoint, our SAC reps are usually going to be the go-tos to be that communication basis, but also they're the ones that are kind of getting the pulse of their teams. So it's always very helpful to have them in the room. We still have our student athlete for inclusion and diversity group. So focusing on all things that create a welcoming and inclusive environment for our, our student athletes, but also really trying to inspire and push our campus to also be that inclusive environment for all students. 
So our uh, said group was actually nominated also for a student org of the year um, this past year at the Leadership Awards. So I'm really proud of the efforts that they've done to continue to make sure that the there is a welcoming and inclusive environment here on campus. But then a brand new student organization that one of our volleyball student athletes, Marissa Stockman, brought to campus was our hidden opponent chapter, which really focuses on the mental health side. And I mean, those are obviously a big part of the conversations about the student athlete experiences is how can we assist them with their mental health and how can we make sure that they are properly prepared to compete at the highest level. And a big part of that comes from the mental health resources and the conversations that the student athletes bring to us. So we're really excited to see where the hidden opponent chapter goes for its second year. And we've talked about uh, some early things that we'll probably get into at a later date, but um, really finding ways to allow our student athletes to kind of decompress at times if needed. And obviously just, especially during those finals weeks or things that are just the high stress level times, like trying to find some opportunities for uh, some like de-stress fest opportunities for our student athletes. So we're trying to find some fun, creative ways for them to have kind of an outlet to get outside of their sport bubbles also, but also making sure that their voices are heard from the mental health side. Well, we're really lucky, uh, you know, folks on our at our counseling center here on campus do a, a phenomenal job. And then certainly we contract with Aaron Haugen as well. And I think Aaron's connectivity uh, with the student athletes has been tremendous. And so we're, we're lucky to have her for sure. And the last thing I'll mention, uh, Tyler, is uh, the Night of Champions. Our, our student athletes did a great job with that. And they've kind of owned it to some degree. You know, we've we kind of put the parameters in place and say, here, here's what it is, but it's kind of your night. And they done a great job with that. Yeah, it, I think United Champions can just continues to raise the ball every year. And a lot of it comes down to our student athlete input once again, on how can they make it a fun, interactive evening that not only just celebrates the achievements of all of our student athletes, but also allows them to be one athletic department, one, just all the programs under one roof, really celebrating one another. And, you know, we continue to think of new creative ways to make it more interactive. I think our our video game has really stepped up and we had some really interactive, fun videos that Dom from our video services department put together, which were tremendous. And I think we're going to have some new opportunities to showcase potentially some new awards in future years that really give more opportunity to celebrate what our student athletes are doing. But uh, it, it's it's been fun. And I think giving our student athletes a chance to be presenters and really uh, take an active role in helping put the program together has made it more interactive and more fun for them and really a great way to cap off our year and celebrate all the achievements. Awesome. Well, maybe it would be podcast of the year, Alex. I mean, we can always hope. <laughs> we can always hope. Someday, perhaps. Someday. 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 That's okay. Maybe in season six. Well, Tyler, we'll we appreciate everything that yeah, that's right. Uh, we appreciate everything that you do. You have a great summer. Decompress a little bit. Sounds like you have a lot on your plate for sure. But everything that you do with our student athletes is uh, critically important for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Alex, for having me on. Tyler Burmeister, thanks again. Is I think that's Tyler's third or fourth potentially appearance on this podcast. At least at least three for TV. But always great to hear what's going on with our student athletes. And yeah, that that man, his staff, and then our our group of students have just done unbelievable work in this community and in communities around 
the United States, it's fantastic to see. Yeah, he just has a really good perspective on all the things that our student athletes are touching. So that's why he's always a, a, a he's a pod go to because mm. he he can he can articulate what's transpiring between all of our various groups we have, and then all of the programs doing certain things in the community. And then touch on certainly some of the uh, special events and uh, sort of the academics that are occurring as well. So he always is going to be, I, I would say, a guest that will be probably a multi, uh, you know, person guest for us on an annual basis, just because there's a lot of things going on with our 300 student athletes. One of the things that came from that UND content summit that we've touched on mm -hmm. in recent weeks and recent podcasts where we had the radio folks, the TV folks sales and advertising, sports information, like a lot of different groups were a part of. One of the big pushes that we're gonna attempt to be better at is telling more of those stories of these student athletes, what they're doing. The big thing that we've found over the years is that these kids don't want the recognition. They want just to do it and serve and not be in the face or not be, they don't want the spotlight because they wanna make, make sure this is just about me and, and my service to this community and I don't need to get recognition for it. But it's also really cool what they're doing. And we want to make sure that people know at least that, hey, our kids are they're pretty special and they're doing some amazing things. So we're going to try and do better of communicating with Tyler and getting ahead of some of that stuff, even if it's not like a camera in someone's face as they're reading to an elementary classroom, but showcasing what that they are impacting the community. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. And I, I would say that the way I think um, if I if I know our, our students well enough, they don't, in a sense, mind to be part of a, a bigger picture as far as what's transpiring. And then they'll speak on that behalf. But I agree with you that the last thing they want to be is singled out as the one that's kind of moving the needle with this thing. It's a team effort all the way through. Yeah. Well, excellent stuff there from Tyler and the group. One other University of North Dakota note, because again, we're, we're at the end of May. Graduation has happened. The Caps have been thrown in the air. Pretty much all the spring sports now have completely wrapped for the year with one exception, track and field. The NCAA track and field championships are set to take place essentially next week. It's, it's the second week of June down in Austin. Man, it's going to be hot down there in Austin, Texas at the University of Texas. But one of our UND student athletes has qualified, Elise Yulseth in the heptathlon. She made it last year in the long jump. This year she's in the heptathlon. Big deal. Uh, for her to be a part of this event coming up in about a week and a half. Or it so. really is. Uh, I know I talked to coach Varen camp. He's very excited for her um, to go down and uh, you know, just uh, you know, you're, you've spent some time in that, that vein, that, that track and field game, just amazing when you're around, you know, that, those, that level, right. That the, you're going to bring your game and you're probably going to pull out something that maybe you didn't even know was inside you because of that heightened competition. So we're excited that she's going to represent the University of North Dakota down in Austin. Yeah. Second year in a row that she's qualified for nationals in the HEP. She was an honorable mention All-American last year in this event. She was a former D2 All-American at, at Queens at Coach Camp's former stop. And so she's made a huge impact in the two seasons that she's had in Grand Forks. But yeah, best of luck to Elise as she goes down to Austin and competes for a national title coming up June 9th and 10th. Flipping the page to the B-side. we got one final B-side this year. And this, this is one I've been looking forward to. Since our last pod, Bill has sojourned to North London to witness a Tottenham Hotspur match in person for the first time with your son, Derek. 
and has journeyed back and is now ready to tell the tale. Bill, the floor is yours. How was the experience? You know, I so I usually am pretty, uh, I'll be very broad, but succinct. It went great. It went great. Like there wasn't a hiccup along the way, but you know what was sneaky? So I'm going to give you some sneaky London tips from someone that had no idea what was going on. <laughs> None is not checking a bag is huge. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, you might say, well, that makes, you know, no doubt. I mean, it it's, it, it's amazing when you don't have to worry literally about that checked bag piece. And so for us, it, and then to have a bag that can fit underneath your seat in front of you, huge. So, so those were like some sneaky things because you're getting in. I mean, by the time, you know, we left Fargo, Chicago, Chicago, Heathrow. So we're in kind of late at night on that Friday. And, you know, you're just trying to figure it out. The taxi system, perfect out of Heathrow to go where we were going in London. But then the tube Alex was tremendous. I mean, incredibly clean, very intuitive. I mean, no problem. And we were, uh, the station was one block away from the hotel we stayed at. So Perfect. really simple, really simple to get where we were going. And, uh, and, you know, we, we took in, we took in all of it, uh, on Saturday, um, because it was a 1230 local, uh, that, that early window, there's one match that early window. So, um, stadium opened two hours before they did kind of a post season, post season wrap, but then the women for the first time ever were playing a double header. And so they were playing at four 30 that day. So it's 65,000 people were at the Spurs game. And then once the ladies took the pitch, the majority had to party. It was a very sad day anyway, as far as on the pitch. But at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, typical day, actually, uh, for this year. So the reality was, though, you could. it was a GA at that stage of the game. So we really were able to be in all parts of the stadium. So I feel like we mm. got our fill of that stadium, which is gorgeous, beautiful, and then had some uh, opportunity on Sunday for some from some general sightseeing, which was great. And then uh, back on back on the bird on Monday and uh, we were back in, uh, in Fargo and then, uh, then Grand Forks. So it worked out great. And then straight to summit league meetings uh, in Denver the next day. So it, it was, you know, but, it's, but all good, all good. I would highly recommend it. I, I, I mentioned to Paul Ralston who obviously is a Arsenal fan, which we've mentioned multiple times. I said, Paul, you got to kind of go do it. I, I mean, you just, you just have to do it. And it's just awesome. I mean, you know, to, because that's where they are, right? Like they don't have multi-sports to go on, you know, our Celtics get beaten seven and now we have the Red Sox to go to, or the, maybe it's the Patriots or whatever, but the long story short, they're all in it's soccer, 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 38 matches, which is pretty much 38 weekends out of 52. Plus there's more tournaments, but it's just incredible. You know, um, that group, um, I caught them at the end of the year of a tough year. I was around some season ticket holders and, um, they had had enough. They had had enough. They, they needed holiday. Yeah. The match you're playing Brentford, who is also a London club, newly promoted two years ago yep. and kind of this plucky underdog team that has had a really good season. Yeah. They're going to they finish mid table, but uh, the match itself. And as Bill mentioned, it's early in the morning. Uh, I was watching the match. I was delighted that Bill and Derek got to witness a beautiful Harry Kane free kick goal. I mean, that 
just a gorgeous curling effort from outside the box. Like, where? So, where in the stadium were you, Bill? Where were you sitting? Yeah, so we that? were in the upper corner. Um, we saw it from. So it wasn't in front of us. It was going the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so, what we were able to see is in the second half, our defense from a very like it just was all in front of us. We saw the commitment of our defense and the commitment of, let's just say, missing the boat that someone is going to run by you. And that ball <laughs> is going to find that person because um, I saw it all. It was right in front of me. Uh, we saw Spurs. We saw Spurs in 90 this year. That's what we saw. We saw it all. Up one nothing at half. Could have been mm-hmm. more. Could have been more. That that was probably the issue. Uh, you, up to, eh, then you're feeling like, you know what? You probably have a real good shot. Once Brentford scores in the first like seven minutes of the second half, it was all Brentford at that point in time. Now we were kind of, you know, the, the one thing that was interesting, Alex, in, in part of it, I was, I was talking to Andrews Freeman, who's a Chelsea fan who had a tough year, just like Spurs. You know, those two teams, Spurs and Chelsea, they've got to figure out philosophically who they're going to be and they've got to commit to a manager and they can't go through three managers in one season. So I like Ryan Mason, quite frankly, I'm like almost in the Ryan Mason camp right now, just hire him at this point and let him do his thing. Because at this point we were playing a different formation. I don't know if we can play 90 minutes of that formation. Just we're prepped for it. If that makes sense. The second half did not go your way. No. Three shipped three goals, yep. lost last three one in the end. But as you said, like there were there were highs and lows. You finished the season well last week with a nice four one win, couple more goals for Harry, perhaps in his last game in a Tottenham shirt. But they they have some big decisions to make this offseason. They do for sure. And we've already seen some managers. Obviously, you mentioned Chelsea. Your old manager, Mauricio Pozzettino, has now signed on officially. He's going to be Chelsea manager next year. Some of the other targets that Tottenham had least been linked to appear to have either decided to stay with their current club or have found other opportunities for employment. So, yeah, I think you got to make a decision and make it quick and then be smart in the transfer window and, and make some moves because the fact that you finished eighth out of Europe for the first time yeah. In a while, I can't remember what the exact year Maybe was. Maybe like 13 you, years. So, something like that, where you'd finished at least top six or top seven and had been in one of the European competitions. Not the case next year. So really, you can look at that as a positive. That, hey, we have no Conference League stuff to worry about. No Europa League. Obviously sad, no Champions League. But you can focus on the league, prioritize that, prioritize the two domestic cup competitions, and just you'll play fewer games and hopefully can get it right. But... The question I have for you is, and we've talked about this before, do you think Harry Kane will be on the team next year? Regardless of who the manager is, that's the big question for this club. Is he still a spur come August? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, it was really fascinating to watch him, uh, you know, walk off the field that day because that was their last game at home and could have literally been his literal last game there. Um, Yeah, fairly emotional, I'll be honest with you. I mean, uh, it's a really good question. I, I, I've gotten into the Ryan Mason camp for a lot of different reasons right now, but he's a spur and he came up from the, through the club. I do think he's connected to Harry pretty, pretty, uh, I think they're, they're tight. And so that would give you a shot. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think at this point, if you told me you hired Mason tomorrow or today 
and you signed Harry Kane to a, an extension and make him the highest paid player in England, who cares? Just make him the highest play, paid player because he, he's that to your club at that point. And he's going to be the all-time leading scorer in the Premier League. I mean, so at the end of the day, just lock that down. If you could do, if you could do those two things in the next two days, I think you'd start feeling better about something because then you'd have a direction. And the one thing I liked about Mason is that he knows the roster. He knows where these guys have been, what they could be, and what they're not right now. And we've got a lot of guys coming back from loan. There's just it's a bloated roster right now because of European play. So they need to they 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 have some big, big decisions to make at this point. Gotta trim the fat a little bit. Trim get get rid of the driftwood. If you can. <laughs> if you can, because it's it's like selling a house in a depressed market. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not sure you're gonna take a loss probably on some of the signings that you made, but you have to be good with that. My club just let go four guys for free because they just knew the opportunity wasn't going to be there next year. And that hurts. That does not feel great. But that's what you've got to do to keep your squad happy and keep moving forward sometimes. Yeah. So, and so I I don't know. Do, do I, th- I think he'll be back with Tottenham next year. I do. I, I um, uh, May 31st, that's my, my, my call. Of course, you'd sell him this year if you can, or you'd lose him on a free next year. But I, I think he's going to be back with Tottenham. Either he signs a new contract or they they roll the dice, so to speak. I I I don't think you're gonna see like he was worth like 44% of our offense this year. I mean, I I I have no idea, Alex, without him, where they would have finished. I mean, it would it would have been relegation battle. They are very, very dependent on his goals. Their defense. If they finished eighth, as you said, I think you have to go to team 14 or 15 to get what um, they allowed as far as goals this year. Mm. 62 goals is not going to get it done. (laughs) And then you kind of, you look at Newcastle and what they did defensively this year. And there's a reason why someone's playing champions league. And there's a reason why someone's not. And so, you know, I could, I, if, if Villa loses on Sunday, then Tottenham would have made the conference. Uh, sure. I, I, it, it, that would have been okay. I, I was, you know, I wanted them to end correctly, which they did. And then you just have to now go. I mean, if it's not Ryan Mason, I, I believe the other person that I think I'm now into the camp onto is Graham Potter. You always liked him. You always liked Graham. They're going to have to commit to somebody for a couple of years and they can't get cold feet once things start going left. Well, lots of things to be decided over at the new White Hart Lane this summer. So best of luck. I'm glad you got to experience it. It was awesome. That's really special, a special, special thing to get to go do. So good for you and Derek to enjoy. Uh, You've got to go. So we'll we'll be quick. Last thing, summer's coming. What are you most excited about for the next couple of months before yeah, this all starts up again? In good question. You know, so I, it, this is kind of a, a morphing an A and a B side right now is I feel like, you know, so people want to say, well, what are you doing in the summer? Uh, actually, it gets weirdly busier from an administration standpoint. Number one, there is a, there's a rhythm and a cycle to the hiring seasons during college athletics. Normally, folks go to the end of the year and then that becomes kind of the time frame. So we've got some we've got some HR things that are that are occurring right now. 
so that that's that's kind of a normal piece. We've got some facility things that Eric and I have, uh, you know, discussed as well. I think on this pod, but you know, we've got a, a number of of types of things that we are involved with at this point in time, and then it's really all the NCAA type stuff that we're just kind of keeping our eyes on at this stage. So it feels like multiple plates are being spun right now, Alex. And, and in a weird way, once games start. There's a rhythm to that at that stage of the game. It could be busy, but it's busy with games. Right now, we've got multiple things happening because all of our programs are thinking ahead. What can they do to potentially, you know, get better, obviously? And uh, so those discussions are ongoing literally on a daily basis. And so, so it is a busy time of year, you know, I mean, yeah, on a personal side, I mean, you don't have games on the weekends, so it gives you a little bit of chance to, to, to maybe enjoy the weather and and get out and do some of that stuff with your family. But at the end of the day, I would say from a work perspective, it weirdly gets a different busy. You have two women's assistants to hire for the basketballs. You've got a softball complex that's getting ready to go up. You've got the rest of the memorial build to finish. There's just a lot of things going on and all different things, like as you mentioned. So a lot of plates to keep spinning, but obviously you and your staff do a great job of keeping that going. Well, we talk, you know, we talk literally it's probably daily, but more weekly with Jody too. There's a lot of things going on at the Ralph and the Betty. And and so you're always trying to figure out what can help our programs move a needle, right? Like that, those are the things that you want to be working on right now. And those are the things that we are working on at this stage of the game. Yeah. And that's to keep bringing you back um, for another year. So Bill Chaves wrapping up year five of sorts in charge of this program and year five of this podcast now in the books as well. Bill, a pleasure as always getting to do this with you and chat with you on a regular basis about this university that we care about so much and the student athletes that comprise it. Just a special, special thing again. So well done. Job well done, Bill, on year five. Alex, I, I really do appreciate you. I appreciate Midco. I appreciate Midco's sponsorship of this. Um, and I, I really appreciate everything that that you all do for us to to uh, help us publicize our student athletes and our programs. And, uh, you know, it's a great relationship. You know, you all are great teammates and uh, look forward to doing year six. Man, we gotta, maybe we'll, we've got to probably a little pod debrief at some point in time <laughs> at some stage. What, what should we, could we be doing for next year? But I did like the addition of some guests. I think that probably helps i could see us uh continuing to move that move that i along. could see that too and yeah, that was a nice wrinkle to add halfway through this year so uh, we'll yeah. see we'll see what season yeah. six brings but uh bill you're the best appreciate you enjoy the summer my friend thanks alex appreciate it for bill shaves for heather weems and tyler burmeister our special guests this week for kelsey and paul and alec our behind the scenes crew i'm alex heinert thanks again so much for listening all year long enjoy your summer We will see you again come August for season six of the Build Shapes podcast.